Today on Rooted Daily, we talk about the last meal that Jesus chose. Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less each day, we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God, you can weather the storms of life, and you can bear fruit. I'm Brandon Levy, and the tradition of a last meal on death row is, is a rather strange one, maybe a showing of humanity before an execution, and it's an interesting insight into the minds of those about to die. In the United States, uh, this meal is now usually given a couple of days before an execution, calling it a, a special meal rather than a last, maybe to sanitize the idea a little. In, in Louisiana, it's even tradition for the prison warden to join the condemned prisoner and eat with him. And all sorts of things have been requested, pizza and hot chocolate, uh, beef soft tacos, steak, lobster, chocolate, even pigtails are all on the list of meals before lethal injection. And it seems the list can be divided between the extravagant, the outrageous, and then personal choices, their, their favorite foods, all of which may be requ requested to drive home some kind of point that the prisoner was trying to make to the world. You know, Jesus found himself in a similar position, we know. Although he was innocent, he was about to be sitting on death row. And I want to read now about the interesting last meal he chose. You know, Luke records for us, uh, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. And then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. And so he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and the captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. And so he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. And then in Verse 7, came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he, meaning Jesus, sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. And so they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house uh, which he enters. And then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room? Where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a large furnished upper room and there you will make ready. So they went and found it just as he said uh, to them and, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles uh, with him. And then he said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks uh, and broke it and gave it to them. And then he said, this is my body, which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. In verse 20, likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, the cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And I, and truly the son of man, goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. You know, we see here in Luke, Jesus, he wasn't taking this last meal 
lightly. He requested it for a reason. He was driving home a point to the entire world here. There is a temptation to fall into a lull with our participation in the Lord's Supper. It can easily become an empty ritual. A tray is handed to us and we just go with the flow. But what Luke describes is so much more than that. You know, on death row, some prisoners, they seem to try to request the most extravagant things to make their captors go out and fetch it for them. Or, or some pick outrageous things to grab people's attention. Some try to pick their favorite foods, maybe to humanize themselves to the world and have a sense of peace in those last moments. Still, others reject a meal altogether to show defiance to the system. But all of them, it seems to me at least, are trying to make a point with this meal. And Jesus is doing that too. And through this last meal, Jesus conveys some extraordinary news to the disciples and ultimately to us too. You know, first in this meal, Jesus gives us the gospel of redemption. It is, after all, a celebration of the Passover meal. That's repeated five times in Luke 22 alone. And God instituted that meal to remind the Israelites of how he delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And Jesus uses this to show how he would now deliver us from our slavery to sin. Jesus is the unblemished lamb whose sacrifice takes away the sin of the world. We have this meal as a reminder that we have been delivered by God and how desperately we need his grace and his mercy continually in our lives. Second, in this meal, Jesus demonstrated what his kingdom was going to look like. He was going to be in control of it. Colossians 1.18 says that the son is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Jesus is our authority, and that is clearly anticipated by how this Last Supper was instituted. Jesus provides elaborate instructions for Peter and John about how and where to prepare the Passover meal in verses 8 through 13. And all of this was done according to his plan. And he said in verse 15 that with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You know, that points forward to the soon-to-be-established church, which was meticulously planned and through which God fervently desired to share fellowship with us. And finally, perhaps there are more points Jesus made here, but one that stands out clearly to me is that through this meal, Jesus demonstrated that he was thoroughly in control of the future. You know, there are, of course, several predictions made uh, in Luke 22, Jesus said, I'm not going to drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Uh, he also said that he would be betrayed by someone at the table. Later on, he discusses what the kingdom of God will look like and how Peter will deny him despite Peter's objections. You know, Jesus made it clear he knew what was about to happen. But I think what shocks me the most isn't one of those incredible promises he makes uh, that must have seemed a little outrageous to the apostles at the time. I mean, we have hindsight to know that Jesus clearly knew what he was talking about. But for me now, knowing what was about to happen just as Jesus did then, I think what is most stunning to me is found in verse 14. And I like the imagery of the King James Version here. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. You know, to me, that, that says it all. Here is Jesus at his last meal. And he reclines. He's relaxed. He, he knows 
nothing is going to happen in that moment. We know from the garden how difficult this decision was, but he was never out of control. He knew the future and he was fully capable of altering it, but he didn't. Because as he says in verse 15, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You know, Jesus waited his whole earthly life, perhaps even longer for this moment to share this meal with his disciples before he became our perfect sacrifice. And in this meal, he showed how in control he is of our future. You know, far from an empty ritual, Jesus used his last meal the way it seems most people try to use theirs, to send a message to the world. And Jesus' message was this, I am in control. Through this meal, he told us he's in control of our redemption. He's in control of his church and he is in control of the future. That's why each week when we come together to participate in this meal and remind ourselves of that incredible news, we can have a hope that our God knows what will happen and he is in control. And that'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily. And I'm looking forward to sitting down, studying God's word with you next time. Thank you so much for stopping for this episode of Rooted Daily. It is so important to take a few minutes to root ourselves in Christ and in his word. And I'm so glad you did it with us today. If you think that it's important that others hear this good news, make sure to hit the share button and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app. It helps us reach more and more people with the message of Jesus every day. Most importantly, if you're ready to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Christ, shoot me an email to brandon at rooteddaily.com right now.